Hello, friends. Today's guest on the podcast is Justin Brown. Justin is the founder of Rhino Skin Solutions, a company built to provide high-performance skincare products to support an active lifestyle. We talked about how Justin's business was affected by the coronavirus and what he did to stay afloat and keep his company moving forward during these challenging times. We talked about best practices for healing dry skin, how to use dry and spit to dial in skin friction for different rock types, about skincare leading up to a climbing trip, about best taping options when taping splits or gobies, and some interesting ideas for how to clean your climbing shoes to keep your rubber fresh and sticky. We talked about how Justin thinks about growing his business and why it's important to him to keep things simple and why growth doesn't necessarily mean more complicated. And we also talked about Justin's climbing, about his progression through all the 513s at Smith Rock and climbing his first 514, about the relationship between greatness and insanity, and Justin's newfound interest in mixed martial arts and jujitsu, and some of the carryovers from jujitsu to rock climbing and vice versa. In full disclosure, I wanted to be clear that I do some work for Justin on his Amazon stuff. But as I've said before on the podcast, I only started doing that because I love the company and I use their products every day. I believe in what these guys are doing, and I think these guys make the best skincare products in the industry. And I want to see them succeed. I thought I knew a lot about Justin and about skincare going into this conversation, but I still got a ton out of it. And I expect there will be at least a couple juicy nuggets for you guys in this one even for the most hardened skin abuse specialists. I think you guys will like it. Please enjoy this skin-friendly conversation with Justin Brown. Feel good? Do I feel good? Yeah. Yeah? Feel great. Need anything? No, I got my bubbly water. You got your bubble water? Yeah. All right, we're ready to roll. Hi, Justin. Oh, you caught me right out of the drinking. <laughs> hey, Steven. <laughs> Thanks for sitting down. Sure. My pleasure. It was fun to check out the shop the other day. I hadn't really been in to see what was up with the Rhino Skin Solutions shop in a while, and we had a great conversation. And it was really interesting to hear about your experience in the last couple months with COVID. Mm-hmm. I hadn't realized that it had hit you guys as hard as it has and a really great new product came out of it and it was really interesting to see how adaptable you were and how you were able to pivot during that time but i'd love to hear about that what was your early experience with the COVID thing what were some of the challenges that came up for rhino with that um yeah i mean the immediate challenge was the drastic drop in business and and all of our Wholesale accounts going away and... Climbing gyms stopped ordering product. Yeah, climbing gyms, brick and mortar stores. Yeah, everybody just like crawled into their little turtle shell and and like, all right, we're going to wait it out in here. We'll call you when we need you. And uh, yeah, it was a little scary. I, I think the day everything shut down, I was trying to go to sleep and I was just, you know, eyes open in bed doing math <laughs> like okay uh, numbers. i've got x amount in the rhino account and uh I've, you know i used to do it out of the house just a year ago and so there's a lot less bills and 
you know, it was the first business I've owned. And yeah, just doing the math of like, okay, every month I'm going to be responsible for this, uh, including employees. And like, how long is it going to take to go to zero? <laughs> and uh, is that something that I'm okay doing? And uh, eventually I just went to sleep and went into work the next day and chatted with uh, Miranda, my shop manager, and we just got to talking about the business. And I've never been one to just like accept the trajectory, I think. Hmm. Just being in the restaurant business, whether it's finding a job or running out of ingredients in the middle of service or something, hmm. you just have to make it happen. Like restaurants go out of business or you run out of eggs or... You were a head chef for a bunch of years. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was in the restaurant industry for a little over a decade, I guess. Okay. Yeah, running restaurants to prep cook and washing dishes occasionally. But yeah, so... So in like the restaurant industry, it's it's a hustle for sure. So I just kind of like stepped back and was like, what can I do to make this happen? And uh, just reached out to a couple local businesses and my father-in-law, like a month before, was like, you guys should make hand sanitizer. I was like, nah, there's so many hand sanitizers out there. But uh, you know, it came around and I was like, ah, yeah, maybe we should do this. We have all the ingredients that we need. Uh, luckily. Uh, plenty of bottles to put it in and yeah, just kind of made it happen and luck had it that we got it into Whole Foods, which mm. helped a ton. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was interesting to hear. I think you said that uh, you got your first Whole Food check and a little quote from you. You said, I've still spent more money there than they've spent on me, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's definitely yeah. helping out. Yeah. And it sounds like it's, that's saved you guys. It saved us. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it necessarily saved us, but it enabled us to keep growing in the trajectory uh, we are growing. I think we would have survived. Mm. We would have survived. I, like it's not really an option at this point. We would have survived. Um, Rhino would have survived. But we've been around for five years. Good growth trajectory and. Whole Foods let us kind of continue that trajectory. Hmm. Uh, as long as our previous business comes back and we're able to kind of keep growing that or, or you know, if luck has it, get back to where we were with, you know, climbing gyms and rock climbers, we'll just get to keep our, our trajectory, which would be nice. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it sounds like there's potential for even a boost if you guys are able to get a couple other products in Whole Foods? Yeah, yeah. So with the uh, hand sanitizer, it was kind of like a needed product. So they kind of rushed the process. They have like a um, like a needed product process, which takes a month instead of six months. Hmm. Uh, and the whole time, that was the most paperwork I've done since school. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh my God, this is so much work. This is crazy. And yeah. there's like tons of ins and outs and different websites with different links you have to go to. But uh, yeah, if we could get the repair cream and the massage cream into Pacific Northwest Whole Foods as well, it would definitely be like a, a game changer for, for the business and just our ability to keep going and grow and the bigger, I think like the bigger we get for a certain, certain amount of time, like we're still very, very small business. It's just like basically three of us, mm -hmm. um, with the occasional extra help, 
so I think we have a lot of growing we can do that will allow us to make a better product still. Mm. Um, whether it's just more consistency or um, we get better, we're all able to purchase better tools to just make the product feel a little better, be a little bit more more stable, better bottles. There's a lot of growth that can happen that just needs growth to happen. Mm, okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. That, that sentence seems weird. Like there's growth that can happen, but we need growth to make it happen. So is that, I mean, that growth trajectory, do you have kind of that end vision in mind with that? Like you already have in your mind, like this equipment would help make a better product. Mm-hmm. This type of bottles would help a better product, make a better product. And we need to grow to continue to, to get to that stage. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, Look, I just bought this much more powerful emulsifier. Okay. Right now we use like 15-gallon buckets and a big old stick blender. That's a pretty good, it's a pretty good machine. But the next step up is this thing that like basically crushes water droplets into tiny little water droplets. Whoa. And so that'll help with our heat resistance a lot Mm. um, and time. Uh, After a year, the... Uh, repair cream especially goes a little slack. Mm. Um, Starts to separate or? Uh, it doesn't really separate much anymore. Um, what do you mean by goes slack? It goes, it it stays homogenized, but it it's like a little looser mm. than it should be. I think it's just the like chemical bonding kind of starts breaking up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the emulsification of like, well, I don't, I don't really know. I think it's the chemical bonding. Uh, it just starts to break up, and this tool will help it stay okay. together a little bit longer. Okay. I hadn't planned to ask this, but that just made me think of something. I remember early on, I left Rhino Repair in my Subaru, you know, mm-hmm. like in the in the sun or something. It got really hot and separated out. Is there anything people can do to fix that, to reverse that, if that happens? Yes, um, there is. So the the product will separate if it gets to like 125 degrees. Okay. Um, and wow. that's, okay. that's easy to get to if it's in your window in your car. Gotcha. Um, basically, what you have to do is uh, take your bottle and put it in a pot of water that's 125 degrees and let it get that hot. Mm. Um, and then you can do one of two things. You can either submerge it into ice water and shake it Hmm. as it cools down. Just keep shaking it, keep shaking it. And that'll get the product back to white. At least it'll be like semi mixed and a little bit stable, but it won't have the same consistency. But if you have a, like a bullet blender or something, Mm. you can put it in that while it's 125 degrees and blend it occasionally until it reaches like 105 degrees. Huh? And then you'll have the product back. Okay. But if it's like a little one ounce bottle, mm. it's just not enough material to really um, blend. Gotcha. So. How hard is it to clean the blender and <laughs> get back to making smoothies after doing that? Uh, oh, I think with that, with like Lexon and stuff, just hot water will be fine. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I can imagine maybe you'd have like a little mintiness, but <laughs> if you if you like scrub it pretty good, hot water, okay. a little soap, you'll be fine. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to ask more about the hand sanitizer for rock climbers and for their skin. Is mm-hmm. there, is it just like a nice to have product, you know, the way that you would use any other hand sanitizer or is mm-hmm. there a way that climbers should be using it or can be using it to help with their recovery and skin? We've been talking about making the hand sanitizer. We as me and Andy, my wife, um, 
for we've been talking about making hand sanitizer for a while. She really wants me to make a soap, uh, which uh, keep your eye out. Gonna make soap. Cool. <laughs> um, but uh, I didn't really think about making it to improve your rock climbing mm-hmm. uh, or or skin. It's more just a sanitary product. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd recommend like when you're done washing your or when you're done rock climbing, apply rhino hand sanitizer because mm-hmm. you, you probably have a bunch of like small abrasions and stuff on your hands and i just don't think the alcohol would be great to get in there um probably soap and water and then rhino repair would okay. be the better thing to do if you do have really oily hands uh like greasy hands like if you're on a climbing trip or you just have naturally more oily hands it might be really good before you rock climb though because the alcohol will absorb the oil hmm. in your hands before you go climbing okay like immediately um, before yeah immediately before okay yeah kind of similar to you'd probably see similar effects to what like uh, liquid chalk does hmm. that's one of the reasons it works so well is because it's got alcohol and the alcohol will absorb oil and then you have less oil and just chalk okay gotcha so Cool. Yeah, so the vision behind it was more like lifestyle product for mm-hmm. being at camp or yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, just to help help reduce bacteria and disease transfer mm-hmm. for dirty climbers, <laughs> whoever else, you know. Like right now, you know, they say don't touch your face, wash your hands all the time. And I know as climbers, we're constantly grabbing stuff and putting them in our mouth um, and just, you know, we're just touching a lot of stuff so that mm-hmm. should help i think cool yeah the science says it should help cool so i'd like to get into a little bit of skincare you've covered this stuff you've covered the nuts and bolts of it pretty mm-hmm. extensively elsewhere so i'll point people to that in the show notes but i'm going to ask some self-serving questions all right so i really love rhino i've been using your stuff since before we've ever you know worked together or anything like that and i've got pretty sweaty skin mm-hmm. so i use the dry and i use the performance and I use the repair. One thing I ran into though is, and I've heard you say, you know, dry skin doesn't heal. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I get my skin using the dry to a point where it feels like nice and and calloused and hard, it feels like it doesn't recover the same. Mm -hmm. And I haven't totally figured out how to navigate that. Do you have Mm -hmm. thoughts on that? Um, What's the issues you're seeing that doesn't, like what doesn't recover? Okay. What are you, what are you seeing that you need help recovering from is it like splits or is it abrasions or it just it feels like it um like i'll have more like skin pain mm-hmm. it feels like it hurts more a couple of days <laughs> after that dry hard skin mm-hmm. um which you know tells me that maybe it just hasn't healed the same way interesting yeah and it, i don't have that like kind of supple flexible skin mm-hmm. that also seems to be helpful yeah i guess i haven't found like the sweet spot yet I think there's a couple ways you could go about it and it might be like part of the issue might be you, you have better skin and so you're able to like crimp harder and that's causing more pain. Mm. It's not necessarily that you have dry skin that's causing more pain. Okay. Um, it just might be your, your output is greater mm. causing more damage. I would say to fix that, um, I haven't done like double blind studies or anything. This is all just based on, people asking me very similar questions and seeing how things work out and just like the theoretical workings of, of the product. But basically when your skin needs to heal, it pushes moisture 
to the top. You can see like if you get an abrasion pretty much immediately or later that day, you get that like little bit of moisture plasma forming. And that's why you get seepy skin when you have thin tips. Yeah. Yeah. There's just less, less skin there and your body's like heal, heal and pushes moisture out. Okay. Um, that's like kind of two different things, the plasma and just the straight up moisture, but same kind of concept. So the repair cream's great. End of the day, uh, wash your hands, get all the dirt and bacteria out of there because you're, you're not going to like heal yourself if there's bacteria in the way. Okay. Um, so wash, wash your hands, um, climb wash rhino. Um, so rhino repair. And you could use that as much as you want. I think for me... Uh, the most evident that has ever been is going down to like Waco tanks. Okay. It's just so dry down there and the rocks pretty darn gritty and you do a lot of rock climbing and the holds are anywhere from tiny little crimpers to full hand slopers. And so we'll go climbing and at the end of the day, it's just repair until you go to sleep like three, four, five, six times. Hmm. And it just keeps soaking in and just keep, putting it on um and that will bump up your skin humidity a little bit uh it'll make a occlusive barrier to help hold moisture in and seems to help keep the skin at a nice state and kind of recover overnight another way you could go uh which i see more and more people practicing is using dry spray performance spray getting like really dry hard hard skin and then they'll use uh, spit right before rock climbing. Hmm. So they'll enter with really dry skin and then add moisture to it to get that nice flexible skin. But they're not going to be sweating. So they kind of have this known factor, known quantity. Okay. Uh, I don't know if quantity is the right word, but they, they know that they're not going to sweat. So they don't have to worry about getting halfway up a rock climb and popping off because their hands are too sweaty okay uh they know that they can add a certain amount of moisture and that's going to give them flexible more grippy skin Hmm. that'll last x amount of time got it so go like overly hard skin Mm -hmm. and then add moisture back as needed yeah maybe not overly hard but okay (laughs) okay (laughs) the right amount of hard right that's really interesting okay and you would use that maybe for like glassier holds where you need to be a little bit more pliable something like that yeah yeah or just crimpers i think for like low radius crimpers you just want hard skin Mm -hmm. um but for maybe like flatter still can be sharp but flatter crimpers you want a little bit more a little bit more give in your skin and then yeah as the hole gets bigger you kind of just want more givey skin Mm -hmm. givey givey is that a word (laughs) more pliable flexible skin to get more surface area yep on the hold yeah okay let those little crystals kind of get in there Got you. Yeah. You can kind of see on like limestone versus granite, like granite, you want hard skin mm-hmm. because there's all those crystals that'll just dig in. Mm-hmm. But limestone, you have those little razor crimpers that suck. Yeah. You want hard skin for that, but not too hard because that'll split. But then when you get into like tufas and slightly bigger holds, uh, it's just such a, a lot of times it's such a fine texture mm. that you need damper skin. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. So the spit, it kind of wigs me out as someone that's always used chalk and wants dry hands, you know, and someone Mm -hmm. who has sweaty hands. Mm -hmm. But that's a really interesting idea. How do you use spit in a climbing day? Do you use it like right before you put chalk on your hands? Yep. Yeah. It seems like the best way to go. I am not a spit user because 
I have really sweaty hands. Okay. Um, I've purposely over dried my skin just for the purpose of using spit, um, just to like see what people are, are, are finding. Um, but it seems the best way to use it is yeah, basically right before you go rock climb, uh, you got your shoes on tied in or whatever boulder pads placed spray it on don't let it dry completely it'll start getting like a little bit tacky hmm. and right when that happens put chalk on okay and that seems to work interesting mm-hmm. okay cool i'll try that yeah we have a really good video uh on our website shauna coxie is explaining her method and that's basically that awesome okay i'll point people to that so I've heard you talk about your skincare process on a climbing trip, you mm-hmm. know, like when you go to Waco, for instance, oh, yeah. and okay. it sounds like you do dry a couple of days prior to the trip mm-hmm. and then you use performance in the evening prior to rock climbing and you use repair in the evenings prior to rest days. Um, again, it's like highly variable on where I'm rock climbing, okay. uh, just the different needs of the area. The red's different than Smith, which is different than Waco, which is, you know, everywhere's different. I'll use dry and performance leading up. So basically, you can think of your skin on like a two-week cycle. Okay. Um, I want my skin to be where I want for the trip two weeks before. Uh, because if if my skin's still changing on the way up to like a performance cycle or a trip, it's going to shed mm. uh, because the input's going to be different. Interesting. So let's say a month out, for me, I'll just get my skin dry, 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 dry. I want full thickness, just dry skin. I want to be like, yeah, my skin isn't very flexible. My hands feel super dry, uh, tough. I'll file a bunch because on a climbing trip, you're going to have a lot of that abrasion. And so I'll just start filing my skin, give it a lot of abuse. And that'll help like spur my body into just producing more skin and getting used to this input that you're going to have when you're climbing a lot. Mm -hmm. And then from there, once getting like really dry skin doesn't take that long. It takes like, I don't know, four days or something. And And you're just using dry. Yeah. I'll just apply dry multiple times a day or, uh, yeah. One or two times a day. Okay. Um, for three or four days. Yeah. Three or four days. Okay. Yeah. And so that'll be like full stop, not sweating anymore. Okay. I got dry skin. That'll let me file more, just beat my skin down, uh, let it start regenerating faster. And then from that point, I'll start doing, I guess, depending on time of year and everything, I'll do dry maybe once a week, uh, performance like two or three times a week, depending on where I want to be. Sometimes I'll drop the dry and just do performance or maybe add an extra day of performance. And then I'll use repair every night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, because when I'm doing that, like skin's really dry. It's not sweating a lot. I'm filing a bunch. If I'm training or rock climbing a bunch to lead up to the trip, I'll get chips and scrapes and cracks or whatever. I usually don't get splits on my fingers or the creases. Sometimes I'll get that like crease thing where it overlaps and kind of splits a little bit. Okay. Um, but I'll file, like I'll file my creases way down and keep them really thin so my skin's so dry, I'll just use a ton of repair at night just to give it that moisture and help it heal. Okay. Um, yeah. Then as I get closer to the trip, you know, depending on where I'm going, I'll just kind of back off on a- everything a little bit and let it get like a little sweaty. I'll just let it get to where I want that humidity to be. Okay. Not necessarily sweaty, but 
that's like kind of where you can fine tune. Okay. Interesting. So you mm. start overly dry and kind of let it come back a little bit. Yeah. I just go like full stop. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So if you are in that period where you've done the full stop and now you're using performance two, three nights a week, mm -hmm. and you're also using the repair every night, how are you combining those things? And would that be after a climbing day or on a rest day or does it matter? If you're using it consistently, it doesn't really matter hmm. um, because you're going to be even keeled on your skin humidity. If you're more of an on-off antiperspirant user you're going to want to use it the night after rock climbing uh before a rest day hmm. because it usually takes that amount of time to like really heat uh meet its max effectiveness okay the best practice is to not do these waves of sweat and dry hmm. the best practice is just to be like psh, have the same dryness skin humidity all the time okay if you follow that it doesn't matter when you use it as long as you're consistent in its use. Mm -hmm. For me, I think performance is kind of a three times a week type thing. If I'm really doing a lot of damage to my skin, you know, some climbing trips you do like, let's just burn this shit to the ground mm -hmm. and you just climb every day and you're like, I'm going home eventually. So <laughs> let's just do this. Yeah. Uh, that turns into like a performance every night kind of thing. Okay. Uh, Cause you know, skin starts to weep and you're like, I need something. And it's just, yeah, just like burning it to the ground. Just use as much performance cream as you can with repair on top of that. So it'll go like climb, wash, performance, repair, 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 repair. Okay. But that ends up in like heavy skin shedding if if you don't. It's not good. Mm, okay. <laughs> it's not, not good. a sustainable like, if you No, if you want to like rock climb for the rest, if you want to stop that trip and then still rock climb, that always ends up with like really glassy skin and then it all comes off. Interesting. Yeah. That's kind of like a burn it to the ground kind of thing. Um, for, <laughs> so yeah, like two or three days a week I'll do repair basically right before I go to sleep. Mm -hmm. It's usually like climb, wash, repair, dinner, wash, performance, repair. Perfect. Okay. Interesting. It took me like an hour to get there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really interesting to, to hear how you think of that. That's really helpful. I think you've recommended to me in the past, as we've talked about skin stuff, that it's important every once in a while to give your skin a break, mm -hmm. just not use any products, even mm -hmm. repair. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely go with that. Yeah. Okay. And how, how do you think about that? How, how often should we be doing that? And maybe I'm just kind of curious, like, what is it that's happening during that stage that's important? Mm -hmm. It's going to be a increase in skin humidity, so faster healing. You get to kind of mentally check back in with where your body is. Hmm. Um, so for me, I'm like, shit, my hands haven't sweat in like a while. Mm -hmm. Are they okay? Like, <laughs> are they going to go back to normal? Uh, and so I'm just super inquisitive about the product and I want to make sure it's still working right and everything. So I'll do, I'll do dumb stuff and then I'll be like, ah, did, what happens if I stop now? Uh -huh. um, if you have like no sweat hands or just really beat up hands and you can stop using the product, the antiperspirant products, it's a good idea just to let your hands sweat and kind of get back to zero. And uh, an interesting thing is if you are real conscious about the use of antiperspirant on your hands, a lot of people find that 
when they're rock climbing, they'll feel like their hands are sweating. If you're using the antiperspirant, you'll be rock climbing and your brain will go, hey, I think it's time to chalk up because my hands are sweating. And then you can look at your hands and go, nope, there's still a ton of chalk on them. Hmm. And then keep rock climbing. I think it helps to like retrain your brain that it doesn't need to sweat so much. Hmm. And so for me, sometimes if I've been practicing that, like conscious climbing or whatever you want to call it, uh, I can I can like reduce or stop my antiperspirant use. And then I feel like the effects, like the mental effects work a little longer. Interesting. Like I think I've, my guess is through the practice of going, oh, my hands are sweating, looking at them, still being chalk on there, continuing to rock climb, having success. I'm kind of retraining myself that there doesn't have to be the stressor. Because mm. I think once you have the stressor, you get more stressed and then your hands start sweating more. Interesting. And so I've kind of retrained that to the point where it's like, no, my hands aren't sweating. And so then I actually need less of the product wow. in the long run. Okay. So you're actually training your body to sweat less, you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really good tool for that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's really interesting. So that's another reason you could stop using it. Okay. How often would you recommend people do that? That's terrible for sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as just like recovering and healing your skin and letting that humidity come back up, mm -hmm. I mean, is that something we should do once a month or like once a season? Um, How do you think about that? I think once once a month is really applicable and it would probably only be like five days you'd have to take to get your skin sweating again. Okay. Man, I know some people that just use performance every day. All the time. All the time. Uh -huh. I don't know if they've taken a day off since they've got their hands uh -huh. on it. Yeah. Um, Any issues with that that you've seen? Not that I know of. Okay, cool. Like I got one person in mind and he's just crushing harder than ever. Wow. Doesn't seem to be having any issues. Huh. But uh, yeah, taking some time off is good. Look at anything. Do you ever take time off from the repair? I take time off from repair all the time. Okay. Yeah. My hands are just generally wet. So I don't need it all the time. Um, Andy, my wife, she uses it all the time. I don't know if a day she goes by, she doesn't use it. Dry skin, she right? has super dry skin. Okay. Um, there's no real reason you would have to stop using repair. Okay, cool. That's helpful. I had a question about cuts and gobies and stuff. Cause mm -hmm. you're, my understanding for your repair is that it's really for regenerating skin before it gets to that cut stage. Like you wouldn't want to put it on a cut. Mm -hmm. And you guys have the split stick, which mm -hmm. is like a waxy occlusive, right? To hold moisture in a cut. Yep. Any other thoughts on, on ways to treat cuts and gobies? You know, I've, I've heard, and something I've tried is like putting Neosporin or even antibiotic ointment on mm -hmm. a cut and then yep. wrapping it in a bandaid. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on that? Yeah, it all works. Um, basically the goal is to keep moisture in there, okay. but not too much moisture. Huh. So Neosporin is antibacterial as well as the split and they're both occlusive. So they both hold moisture in, uh, the reason for the bandaid also an occlusive kind of breathable, but not that breathable. And it keeps bacteria and dirt from sticking to the neosporin and the split. Best thing you could use, Tegaderm. In my opinion, it's Tegaderm. Tegaderm. Yeah, it's a clear, occlusive, breathable bandage. Okay. Uh, you buy it in sheets. You can cut it into strips if you want, but you can put it over your wound. 
and just keep it there for as long as you want. Huh. Um, you know, if you put like a Band-Aid on, your skin turns white underneath. Yeah. Too wet, you're doing more damage Interesting. than uh, than helping. And it's going to just prolong how long your skin takes to heal. Good to know. And it also gives room for bacteria to grow because it's so wet. Hmm. And Tegaderm will prevent that. Just okay. like it's it's sticky. The whole thing's sticky. It's breathable. You can put it over whatever wounds you want. It'll stay and, on your fingertips? Yeah, it's pretty good. Do you wrap it around the whole finger when you're... Uh, yeah, you could wrap it around the whole finger. Sometimes when it gets over... I'm so excited to try this. Oh, it's really I've good. I've never even heard of this stuff. Uh, sometimes when it gets over my cuticles, it, it bugs them a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't know what it is. Uh, or sometimes where the bandage overlaps gets a little buggy too. Mm-hmm. Not insect buggy, just like bothersome. You can usually cut it into some shape to stick to your fingers or your skin or whatever okay it's the best it's like the number one best thing i could recommend to put on your skin to help it heal cool keep it clean like wash it wash it super thoroughly and then let it dry and then tegaderm do you have to reapply every so often it'll fall off eventually and you could reapply okay yeah you don't have to peel it off and wash and no no it's good you could shower wash your hands whatever Cool. Yeah. Okay. I'll find it and link to it in the show notes. Yep. Um, there's there's generic brands too. Tegaderm's like a little bit pricey, but I mean, it's not like a hundred bucks a sheet or anything. It's like $15 for three sheets. Okay. Um, and, but then there's generic brands from like Rite Aid and Walgreens. I think they're a little thicker, a little less breathable, hmm. but they, they do the job too. There's one other thing. Um, I think it's called Hypofix or Hyfix. It's a really interesting product too. I haven't used it much, but it's pretty cool. It's like this felt fabric. It's like a polyester felt and it's super sticky and it kind of does the same thing. And it's way more durable Hmm. than Tegaderm, but it doesn't work as well. So if you want to like keep it on while you're climbing or if you have stuff to do, it might be the better option. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's super sticky What's the name of that one again? Uh, I think it's called Hypofix okay, or Hyfix. It's a uh, it's red lettering. It's a white bandage. It has red lettering on like the sticky protective part. That's probably a really good way to go as well. The Tegaderm definitely works better for healing. Okay. So right now I have like a hole in mm-hmm. my entire fingertip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tore a big chunk out of my finger at Smith the other day. What would you recommend as far as putting something on it that I would want to wrap in climbing tape to be able to continue climbing through? Mm-hmm. Would like techaderm and then climbing tape be a good way to go? Um, or? <clears throat> climbing tape is going to be a full occlusive. Yeah. So you're going to run into the problem of getting that white skin. So you want to be really careful with maybe take it off between climbs or whatever. But you don't want to do more damage to the skin Yeah. by like constantly putting on and taking off an adhesive bandage. Gotcha. Um, so maybe the Hypofix might be really good for that because it's super sticky. It's breathable. Uh, but then when you wrap that in tape, it should stay put. Okay. And so you're not pulling on the skin directly. Gotcha. I've never done it. Okay. It might work. All right. Yeah. I, I think the Tegaderm would pull straight off as soon as you take the tape off. Gotcha. So with the other stuff... Say the name one more time. Hypofix. Hypofix. I think that's what it's called. So we have some inside. I could go get it. Okay. Um, it's okay. I'll, we'll fact check it. So with that, I'd be able to wrap it in climbing tape and then just remove the tape 
between mm-hmm. climbs, but hopefully that would stay put. I think but that should stay put. Interesting. Yeah. It's slippery. It would be slippery climbing with it. Okay. Yeah. I think the the Evolve and Power Company tape, it's like a silicone tape. It sticks to itself, but not to your skin. That stuff works really well. It's breathable. I haven't seen this. Flexible. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think Evolve calls it secret tape or I don't know, something. Okay. And Power Company uh, sells it as well. Um, and it's a climbing tape that you put on your fingers? Yep. Yeah, it's really cool. It sticks to itself really well. It, like, It's amazing how well it works. And it's breathable. It's pretty flexible. I don't think it gives as much protection to the area because it is flexible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it stays on your finger fairly well. Maybe not quite as well as uh, like some of those really good tapes. Mm. But for like splits, uh, like creases and stuff, I think it's a really good option. Cool. I'll link to that as well. Interesting. So you were talking about filing your skin Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's something that I think most climbers are familiar with. We don't need to go into that too much, but that reminded me of something. I was in the climbing gym. This is probably back in November or something, maybe December. And I ran into you and Andy Mm -hmm. and you had your whole skin kit and Andy was using the file to file a layer of rubber off her climbing shoes. Oh, yeah. And I had never seen that before. And it makes total sense, but I I was really curious and asked you about it. And it was really, really interesting. Tell me about that. (laughs) Um, I don't think you need to do that. (laughs) Uh, She, so I don't, I don't rely on my feet a whole bunch when I'm rock climbing. It's probably a weakness of mine. Uh, Andy, so for me, when I rock climb, I push into the holds. Uh, when she rock climbs, she like hooks them with her toes and pulls out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she feels that keeps her in, um, into the wall. And so her feet blow more than my feet blow. And she thinks that... You mean like the shoe rubber blows out more? No, like foot pop. Okay. Like, like foot pops off the holds. Okay. So her theory is that the chalk and the dust from the gym is getting onto the rubber and making it more slippery, which is, yeah, that's a reasonable thing to think. It, uh-huh. You have like the sticky rubber that has dirt on it, so it's not conforming to the holds as much. So she takes our AD100 file and just gets all that dirt off. Hmm. Um, I think it's a reasonable thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if you're looking for like that little extra bit of performance... It's probably the way to go. Interesting. Because sure. climbing with dirty shoes is going to decrease performance. I'm not saying it doesn't work. Sure. Um, well, that that's... And I don't do that. That's interesting. So that makes sense to clean it. I mm-hmm. I wonder, is there like any difference between using the file and just like warm water and some soap to clean that, that stuff off? Um, or even spit hmm. shining? Spit shining. I don't know. Uh, I think with the file, I mean, if you think about it, the file's like taking that top layer rubber off which is going to be oxidized and a little bit hard. I remember you mentioning and that. And getting into the softer rubber underneath. Soap, I don't know how soap interacts with the rubber mm-hmm. on your shoes. I remember as a kid, uh, way back, way back in the day, this would have been 1990, somewhere between 90 and 97, I would take OxyPads and clean my shoes with them. Okay. And it made them way stickier really way stickier interesting yeah like you know when you get a climbing shoe and it's brand new and you can stick the the toes together Uh and they kind of like stick to each other for a second (laughs) yeah 
uh, you could do it with old shoes. Wow. Yeah. Have you tried that method with new shoes? I don't have oxy pads anymore. Okay. Um, we got to try this. Yeah. yeah. Do they still make them? I, I have no idea. they still make them. Probably somewhere. Yeah. So I don't know what's in there okay. that makes this rubber stickier. But uh, friction, was it Friction Labs or Tension that just came up with the shoe cleaner, the shoe rubber cleaner? Mm. Um, Not sure. <laughs> so maybe, maybe. I'll look that up as well. It's like, I don't know what's in there. Okay. Um but yeah, definitely having clean shoes helps. Um, right. I mean, I'm not gonna refute it. Having clean shoes helps. Sure. I, I totally. Yeah. I don't think anyone would argue that. I th- I'm always blown away when people yeah. get on rock climbs with dusty shoes. It's oh like, yeah. Come on. Definitely. definitely. But the oxidized rubber thing was what caught my interest because mm-hmm. that kind of makes sense to me. I've I've always felt that my gym climbing shoes rubber becomes different over time and uh, you know yep. versus my outdoor yeah, it climbing seems a little slicker and harder it does mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's just chalk on the mats or mm-hmm. or what but regardless of what's causing it using a file to get rid of that glassier layer it really makes sense yeah i wonder if it i mean the chalk on the pads has to do something mm-hmm. just like getting crushed in there all the time and maybe the texture of the holds is more of like a buffer than it is a mm. a like a sandpaper. Cause mm-hmm. you know, if you go like rock climbing outside and you're smearing or the rocks almost in, doing what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. You look at your shoes and they're like super rough and yeah. worn. Yeah. But not for climbing inside. It seems. Right. Interesting. Okay. Know. I'm going to try it. Yeah. People listening should try chemist. it. Let us know. Let us know if it helps. <laughs> yeah. If you're a chemist, does the magnesium carbonate vulcanize or something, the rubber on a climbing shoe? To make it harder. Hmm. Let us know. Let us know. (laughs) Cool. Well, I would love to switch gears and talk more about your company. All right. It's been really fun. You're a great company, Steven. Watch it. Oh, not that. You're a great company company too. (laughs) I remember, and it wasn't that long ago. It's really funny, but I remember walking into the closet in your house, and that was Rhino Skin Solutions. (laughs) There's just bottles everywhere. Uh You had like, I think you had like for a while one size boxes, and for bigger orders, you were like duct taping small boxes together. Occasionally we still do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's so fun to to go see the shop and to, you know, of course, I know your employees and to see how much things have changed and grown. And it seems like it's really happened organically. Like, it's it's really inspiring to see your process because I'm the person that tends to overthink everything. Like, before I, mm-hmm. you know, launched this, for instance... I had read everything there was to read about, you know, my recording process and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. it really seems that you just decided to take a leap with this early product idea and grow it organically and, and um, improve things as you went along, mm-hmm. which is really neat to see. As far as it's come now, I would love to know, is there anything you wish you'd known when you were first getting started with this? <sighs> um, I definitely did... We didn't just like jump into it. Okay. We jumped into the concept. What we did, we just t- took two products that already existed, put them together, and we're like, what happens? <laughs> and so that was like very little thought. It was just a what if, let's try it kind of thing mm-hmm. um, that was able to happen like that because we had we had antihydral and, and uh, Evita foot cream. Mm-hmm. And we just put them together. That part was very much just jump right into it. We never sold that. Uh, that'd be a little messed up. Um, so before Rhino actually started, it was a lot of research. It was a lot of research. We didn't okay. just like 
we didn't jump into it necessarily. And your wife, Andy, is a pharmacist. She's a pharmacist. Um, So I would like come up with the idea and the hypothesis of like, would this work or what does this do? Uh, Could we put this in there? And she would help me with the chemical nature of things and um, what certain ingredients do, like what type of emulsifiers go into lotions. There's a lot of ingredients in lotions that I was like, what does this do? And she's like, "Eh, it's like an emulsifier or it's an antibacterial thing. And I was like, well, that's out. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So we kind of just through research and trial and error, we figured out what worked. And that took a while. Mm -hmm. The garbage can was definitely full of lotion of various consistencies for a while. I'm glad it looks like we just jumped right into it. Uh, the fact of the matter is we did not. Okay. Um, just curious to know. Oh, if uh, maybe on the business side, yeah. like what, yeah, if there's what, anything I wish I knew. Yeah, or advice that you'd have for yourself if you could go back and talk to yourself when you were first getting this going. Um. No, I think I've been having a great time with it. Cool. Um, I was still working as a chef while the whole thing started for like the first three years. Hmm. Yeah. So it was like a lot of hard work, a lot of hustle, a lot of long days, but I've really enjoyed every single bit of it. I'm glad I didn't go to like business school or any type of formal education because I think that would have decreased the exploratory nature of it for Hmm. me. And that's been like really fun. Hmm. Like having a problem, finding a solution, seeing that solution work or not work and then moving on like that's making lotion and selling it to people isn't like the most fun thing in the world (laughs) but the problem solving and the team building part is the best part Hmm. if i knew more it would seem more of like a hustle or more of a feel more like work it would feel more like work huh yeah it would feel more like um more like a coloring book i guess like you're not okay. really creating anything. You're just coloring in the lines, hoping, hoping that it comes out right. Uh huh. Where this is like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm having fun doing it. So uh-huh. as long as another order comes in tomorrow, it's, <laughs> it's it's fun. Cool. It's interesting to see how you've how your trajectory has been. Like you seem to grow in a lot of different directions, kind of at once. Like you're expanding into new markets, you're creating new products, you're connecting with new athletes, you're doing new marketing ideas. Do you sit down and plan that stuff out? Do you just kind of come up with ideas and just go for it and execute? It seems like that's... B. B. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, There's been so many times where I'll post something on Instagram or create a marketing thing and be like, well... That's going to have to happen next year, too. So I should probably, like, make a marketing plan for the year that we could execute. But then I sit down and then I start thinking about this, like, the whole year of things to do. And it's like, well, what's it going to look like next year? Or how am I supposed to institute a thing for next year? And then, like, well, if I do that, I'm going to want to talk to all these people and get them involved and then it just kind of expands into this giant idea slash machine. And I don't want that. Uh, Mm. One of the major tenets of Rhino is not having a bunch of cogs moving. Mm. Um, 
and not having like a giant machine. Like it, it should be very simple. Like the, the business should be simple. It should basically be letting people know it's there, people buying it, me shipping it hmm. or somebody shipping it. That's like the core of the business, right? So everything on top of that is kind of extra. And we do a lot of like giveaways and product sponsorships for community events and just like donations to different nonprofits or whatever. So that's, that's like a really enjoyable part of the business, uh, just helping build community. And it's fairly easy. I don't, I don't have like a big process for that. People email me and I go, yeah, great. Here you go. Um, do you have a budget allocated for that or do you just... It's kind of like a cash flow thing. Okay. Yeah. It's more of just, do we have the cash flow to an inventory to send stuff out? Okay. So yeah, just like keeping it, keeping it as simple of a business model as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and so planning, <laughs> planning doesn't really fall into the simplicity. <laughs> uh, some people might, might go, Hey dummy, if you plan, everything's a lot easier. Uh, but for me that's not how it works okay and i'm the dictator so that's how it goes perfect uh -huh. well it's interesting the question that that brings to mind you know speaking about needing to grow this thing or wanting to grow this thing to get to a point where you can make even better product you know you grow to a certain extent and then it's no longer simple you kind of have to turn mm -hmm. it into more of a machine just to operate the thing mm -hmm. right so is there like it sounds like you don't want to maintain this growth trajectory forever is there a point at which you'd be really content and want to just like maintain or are you excited to um, see how big this thing can get growing's pretty fun um oddly enough growing isn't more profitable yet <laughs> like interesting <laughs> like the more you grow the more infrastructure you need and the more investment in the business you need it was way more profitable when it was just me in my house wow um interesting but for like the long-term view and the long-term there is no long-term plan but for like a well-being of me and the people who work for me and the business itself, growth is definitely a good thing. Mm -hmm. And growth doesn't necessarily mean more complicated mm. because it's all like systems based, you know, like we might have a more complicated tool, but it might be a lot simpler. Like we recently switched to shrink sleeves. It's way more complicated to get the art designed for the shrink sleeves and get the shrink sleeves made and then have the shrink sleeves shipped to us. And now we have this steam tunnel with a conveyor belt that we put the product through that shrinks the sleeves and this is for the labels yeah for the labels okay and the first machine we got didn't have steam and that didn't work as well and so we had to spray glue onto all the bottles to get the labels to stick and i was like well that sucks this isn't as good but uh yeah now that we have the shrink sleeve machine we don't need somebody to sit and watch netflix I wasn't mad at it, but it's just something that doesn't need to happen now. Uh, sit and watch Netflix for like 10 hours a week, putting pressure-sensitive labels on bottles. Gotcha. Now we can do like a bunch of bottles in minutes instead of hours. Hmm. Um, so like it's kind of more complicated, but not more complicated. It's definitely more streamlined. It's like way more streamlined than manually applying stickers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, growth isn't necessarily more complicated. 
And it seems like all your processes, I mean, you haven't necessarily planned the systems mm -hmm. and planned the growth or the way it's going to look, but you're, it seems like you're really good at, maybe it's that you enjoy the problem solving. It seems like you've mm -hmm. been really good at putting systems in place as needed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the fun part. That's cool. like the really interesting thing is the problem solving. Hmm. I don't want to have a business where I have cogs. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is probably basic business shit, but people shouldn't be cogs whether I ran a restaurant or have people working for Rhino, like I'm always open to their suggestions. Mm. Like they're just as important as I am. Has that had a pretty significant impact on the business, having employees and hearing their input? Oh yeah, cool. definitely. I suck at organizing. Okay. I'm horrible at it. Uh -huh. Like for me, so, so I have a saying, everything has its place and sometimes it's on the floor. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah, having, having people that are more organized than I am or, you know, can view a situation and be like, hey, can we do it this way? Yeah, I, I welcome that. If people, if an employee feels worried about giving me feedback or scared about it, I'm doing something wrong hmm. for sure. Like we, uh, so we got the shrink sleeve machine and, uh, getting that thing to work was one of the coolest days of my life. Cause it was like the first real machine that the business has. I mean, computers are far more complicated than it, but <laughs> we take them for granted so they don't count. Um, so we got this like stainless steel shrink sleeve machine. Uh, it's got these like settings of how much steam comes out, how fast the conveyor belt goes, where the steam comes out inside the machine. And you kind of just have to mess with it. But we got that all set up. And then, uh, so the bottles come out and then they drop into a bucket. And uh, they kind of drop in there really, really hard. Hmm. I was like, that cannot be good for the labels. It can't be good for the bottles. Is there something we can do to like soften the blow into the bucket? So it's just, it's just your standard like 10 gallon uh, plastic bin that every climber has full of climbing gear in their car. Okay. Like a um, yeah. So, so I was like, Oh, can we put a net there or ramp or something? And so what we finally figured out is if you put, uh, we have like a, you know, one foot long two by four. Okay. And we put a screw through the two, two screws through the two by four into the side of the bucket. Okay. Uh, or into the side of the bin. And so when, the bottle comes out of the machine, it hits the two by four and the plastic is firm enough that the two by four just doesn't drop, but the, the bottle hits the plank and then the plank like lowers and drops it into the bucket. <laughs> okay. So you just have like hundreds of bottles. You do. That was a pretty fun. A little thing like to make. slow trap door kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But That's that was cool. a few, that was like, uh, that took a couple brains to make that happen. Nice. Like all these different ideas coming in. Cool. That's fun. So you were talking about how when you first started this thing, you were still working as a chef for a few years and you were hustling pretty hard to make it happen. Now you do this full time. Mm -hmm. How's the work-life balance for you now? Was that an important part of the equation when you first had this idea and how has that played out? Now? Um, when I first started, it wasn't really part of the equation just because I was so excited about the idea and like just dove all in on it. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't anything that was on the radar. Uh, as it grew, I definitely felt myself losing out on a lot of what I wanted to do. Climbing definitely suffered. 
But there was a point where I was like really excited about the business and the success in Rhino. And so climbing was kind of less important. I had gotten to a point in my climbing career where like I wasn't succeeding as much there. And so having success in a business was kind of more cool to me. So I, I was hmm. fine with it. But then it kept on growing and I really felt like I lost all freedom. Um, hmm. I was just so busy with Rhino and uh, just accomplishing everything that needed to happen, whether it was shipping or labeling or making the product or communicating with emails and whatever. Yeah. So work-life balance definitely was really skewed. Didn't have much of a life. Still like tried to do stuff, but there was no time to spend as much time on the rock or on skis as I wanted. So I just wasn't like finding much success in either one. And that got more frustrating. But then I moved into my shop, hired an employee and that was like really nerve wracking because, uh, you know, moving into a place is like, oh, in my mind, not having any business experience, I was like, oh, great, uh, rent. I can afford that. No big deal. And then, you know, signed the lease and I was like, oh, now I need internet and pay for heat and electricity. And mm. well, we're a lot bigger. So I need an employee. Yeah, that was definitely a huge change in the trajectory of my work-life balance, having somebody that I could trust and rely on be in the shop without me and be autonomous hmm. gave me a ton of time back and it's been it's been awesome yeah. cool when yeah. was that when was that transition um, so I think I've been in the shop about a year now okay and so it wasn't that long after moving into the shop that I hired Miranda and I went from working I don't know, a lot of hours a week. I don't know if it was 80 hours a week. I don't know if it was oh, man. 700. I don't know if it was 40 <laughs> or not. Um, but I worked a lot. Yeah, no time to do much of anything. And and for me, like, I need to feel comfortable and successful in my work in order to be successful in my play. Hmm. Uh, like, if, if work is bothering me, I won't have the mental energy to put into my recreation activity. Mm -hmm. um, it's just too, I'm like, oh shit, I should be at work, like figuring this problem out. And so like climbing, climbing for me is kind of like sport climbing, especially at Smith is kind of stressful. And so I need to have work be calm for me to climb well at Smith. Hmm. And so, yeah, having somebody that I could trust at the shop definitely changed a lot over for me. I was able to spend more time climbing, spend more time skiing. And then, yeah, I got hurt climbing. And then I started kickboxing and grappling. And that's been fun, too. Let's talk about that. So, yeah, it's it's been interesting. The last handful of times I've seen you at the climbing gym, you're, you've seemed way more excited about kickboxing uh, than you have about rock climbing. Yep. How did you get into mixed martial arts? Well, it turns out getting punched in the face is more fun than climbing at Smith Rock, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> um, so if you're thinking about coming to Smith, just think about that. Uh, just get in a street fight. Yeah. Uh, don't get in a street save fight. The, no, save no, the no. plane get in, a, get in a gym where it's highly controlled. <laughs> street fight, probably less fun than climbing at Smith Rock. Okay. Yeah. So I was climbing at the gym and there are a certain set of holds that seem to injure me every time I grab them. Hmm. Uh it's uh, these black in-cut low-radius crimpers, but I love them. Okay. Um, so delete that out. And then there's these pink 
big open hand slopers. And when I grab these big slopers, my wrist tends to elongate a little bit. Hmm. And I think it's that like triangle tendon thing on the outside of your wrist, uh, like pinky side. And I think one time it popped. Like it elongates on me fairly regularly. Like a strain? Like you feel sore the next day sort of thing? Uh, Yeah, strain like I'm holding it and then I can see like my wrist kind of separate a little bit. Oh, wow. Usually it just goes right back to normal and I'm fine. Okay. Uh, But this time it popped and I couldn't rock climb at all. I Mm. couldn't like crimp. I couldn't sloper. When Um, was this? Is this a year ago? Yeah, maybe a little over a year ago now. Okay. I guess I've been at the shop a year and two months at this point. So probably around then. Okay. Um, Yeah, I got my life back and then I hurt myself. Um, Yeah, so right down. So my shop, three doors down was a MMA gym and uh, they do a lot of fitness stuff in there. And I walked in there and I was like, hey, I'll try this out. And uh, I got hooked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it was like, uh, I started an hour a day of uh, like kickboxing and then an hour of grappling and that coach, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Smith for you on Instagram, he does personal training. Give him a shout out. He's trained quite a few fighters, had some good success at it, does a lot of self-defense stuff. His theory is you have to be fit. Uh, like fitness will overcome a lot. Hmm. Um, like if you don't have the fitness, you're not going to be able to use the techniques. You're just not going to be able to execute. So we do like half an hour of calisthenic type fitness i don't know if calisthenics is the right word but body weight training okay and then like half an hour of like bag work or and then some sparring in there depends on what day and then grappling so kickboxing is like all punching or all uh pushing stuff and then grappling is like all pulling so i'd go back to back so many new muscle groups like hmm. i don't care how hard you think you're training for rock climbing uh it's nothing it's like literally <laughs> Nothing. Uh, if you're looking at your phone at all in an hour session, you're not working as hard as like martial artists or people who are like fighters. really going. Yeah, fighters. Interesting. Are, yeah, going to his gym got me in the best shape I've been in in my entire life. Uh, I'm 40, so I don't know if that's relevant or not. But uh, you told me a great story about having to go to the doctor for something. Oh yeah, else. I had a uh, so I have Crohn's and I have like a small bowel constriction and. Uh, it got blocked, and uh, I went into the hospital because I was like, I'm not doing good. I didn't know if it was like uh, if I was having a flare up or what it was. But you know, you go to the hospital, they hook you up to a heart monitor, and um, my resting heart rate was 46. And they're like, they just thought the machine was broken. They're like, <laughs> is this is that real? Like, is it 46? They like check the finger measure thing and. I was like, yeah, I've been working hard. Um, And that was a surprise to me because I think right now during this quarantine, I think my heart rates, my resting heart rates at like uh, 58 now. Mm -hmm. And that's like sleeping. I wore a heart rate monitor while I was sleeping once. Gotcha. um, Which I don't like to do. I woke up in a panic like, get this thing off my wrist. My hand was numb. Uh, But yeah, so it's. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. And I could, I'm not a runner and I could go run like six or eight miles and be fine. And yeah, it was pretty cool. I've been enjoying every bit of it for Hmm. sure. And just, just having like a different perspective and stupid stuff from 
getting out of my car at a sketchy grocery store and people fighting in the parking lot. Not like physically fighting, but yelling at each other, you know, there's like that little stressor and you're like, fuck, I got to get out of here. Hmm. And just feeling more comfortable in that, like that situation or like, like I said, do not want to ever fight anybody for real. Yeah. Um, but knowing I could run far and that like I was physically more fit and had some tools is, is pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So you've talked about kickboxing and jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Is that the main things that you're, that you've been playing with? Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of stopped kickboxing as much just scheduling it didn't work out as well for me mm-hmm. i started it all in the summer and we were doing like me and my wife were having like really fun long days we had uh rock climb in the morning and then run and then i'd go to uh kickboxing and grappling and or we'd go to the river we go like climbing in the river with the dog and then i go there and then like climbing season came back around so i kind of took a hiatus from the gym i was going to to go on like a climbing trip and get some rock climbing done and like core wise and body movement wise, I felt great. Hmm. My fingers were pretty weak, but I didn't like get physically tired on the rock. Hmm. Like I felt like I could keep body position for however long and really push through stuff. It was like my fingers. It wasn't that I couldn't pull or couldn't push or couldn't compress. It was like, my fingers just didn't work as well because mm-hmm. I hadn't been putting the time in. So went climbing, had some great success with climbing trips. Um, went to Waco Tanks and climbed this uh, pretty classic V9. And it didn't feel that difficult. Hmm. Um, and it was like a fairly quick couple hour session. Um, this is after just a lot of MMA. Yeah. And not yeah. a lot of rock climbing. Yeah. Okay. When, um, when was this? I definitely ramped up rock climbing a little bit before the trip. Cause, okay. Like I had goals at Waco. And so then I came back uh, from Waco Tanks in the gym that I was training at, stopped the grappling program. And I was like, shit, I really like grappling. Hmm. And so I started at this uh, jujitsu gym. And, okay. And, and their classes are like two hours long. And so that doesn't really leave me a lot of extra time to continue kickboxing. I do miss it, though. I have a double end bag in the home, which is super fun. Nice. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay. I approach it very much similar to, like, climbing routes. It's um, There's, like, sequences and moves and techniques that you have to learn and link together. And even more so, like, the incremental improvement that happens uh, from jujitsu is really interesting. Yeah, where are you at on the belt? Oh, I'm uh, as low as it gets. Uh, (laughs) I've got two stripes on my white belt. Okay. So I've got a long, 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 long way to go. Can you convert that to Yosemite grades? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. Uh, I'd probably say I am a 5'10 sport climber, 5'9 trad climber. Because sport climbing, it's more just like pure physical skill. Okay. Um, you know, you just kind of go for it and fling yourself up there. And so it's kind of like a more of a measure of physical proficiency mm-hmm. where like trad climbing is more of a measure of technical proficiency. Okay. Um, but also you need to be physically proficient. Okay. Um, maybe endurance goes a little longer way in trad climbing uh, where technical proficiency with like the systems doesn't really isn't really mandated in sport climbing. Uh-huh. Uh, so my technical proficiency is pretty low in jujitsu. Gotcha. Uh, but I am physic, 
physically, I'm not like a physical specimen by any means, uh-huh. but um, I'm like a physically fit human being so I can do okay. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm past Gumby beginner stage. Gotcha. And I feel like most people, given uh, adequate sense of body awareness and physical fitness, can climb 510. Okay. Physically, you're a 510 jujitsu player what is the sure i have no idea i don't know <laughs> you can five, call it whatever you want five nine as far as your technical yeah. proficiency with mm-hmm. jujitsu okay so now that you're back to climbing again where does jujitsu how do those two things fit together do you have goals with jujitsu are you gonna keep yeah. after it yeah i'm cool. gonna keep going okay. uh, unfortunately the gym's closed right now mm-hmm. so i'm eagerly awaiting the reopening and just the right things to happen in the greater world to let that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really like the physical aspect of it and the workout and the people, the people are great too. It's a whole different group of people hmm. and they're all awesome. Um, for rock climbing, we're going on a climbing trip, hopefully the first two weeks of July. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm pretty excited for it. Cool. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know. It's not like a place that I'm going to need to rock climb, be at like peak physical fitness for. I think it's a great place where I can do a bunch of rock climbs and have a ton of fun and kind of start ramping up things, Mm -hmm. get the big muscle groups going and just have some good old fashioned fun rock climbing. Cool. Yep. And your wrist is fully healthy at this point? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not. Dang. Uh, I've been trying to do some hangboarding. You guys have um, a tread wall and in your Pull-ups and tread wall. Yeah, and it still hurts. Dang. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever be like top-notch. No again. kidding. Yeah. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It seems like every time I ramp up training, that wrist issue just keeps coming back. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if uh, maybe I should just tape it every time, um, which is probably a good idea, but... Have you diagnosed this specific issue? Uh, I've never had like an MRI or anything. Okay. Um, but I'm pretty sure, uh, I just can't remember the name. It's like TFC or something. Hmm. Uh, ligament. Gotcha. Dang. There's probably some physical therapists going, it's not TFC. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might be able to connect you with somebody. I, I, have you Have you been working with anybody or have you tried um, different protocols or I physical therapy or anything? I suck at all that. Okay. Are <laughs> no. you just accepting it? Um, no, I'm not accepting it. I'm trying to work through it. Okay. But um, the reason I rock climb is because rock climbing is fun mm. and training is not that fun. So I have a really hard time training and mm-hmm. doing all that stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons like going to Jimmy's gym or, or uh, Clark's is really good for me because it's really fun and it's a really good workout. Hmm. Uh, if I'm left up to my own devices, it's sitting on the couch, drinking beer, watching TV. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to hangboard or lift weights or anything. I uh-huh. will a little bit. I'm kind of like a... Let's talk about this for a little bit. So I have this theory, um, and there's a lot... Of, I think there's a... So I didn't come up with this theory. But like um, greatness and insanity... Are very close together. Sure. Are like neighbors. Uh-huh. Um, Alan Watts talks about this a lot. Oh, does he? Yeah. Okay. And he thinks we're all crazy a little bit. Yeah. So I think people have different limiters on crazy. Hmm. Like for me, I'll wake up and be like, 
I'm going to do like 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 pull-ups. I'm going to go do squats. But then I like sit down at the computer, answer a couple emails, drink some coffee. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like that much fun. Where like people who are top of the food chain, they're like, I'm going to do this. And then they just do it. They don't have a limiter that like if somebody's around, like, like if somebody's in the house, we have visitor or whatever, I'm not going to go in the back room and get like an hour screaming workout done. I, I, Cause to me, I'm like, Oh, that seems like a little weird and a little, yeah. I don't want to be like a little self-conscious, I guess. I don't want to be in the back room, like ah! just <laughs> screaming and sweating and cranking music. <laughs> So that's like my limiter. That's one of my limiters. The other limiter is like, oh, it seems like a lot of work. That's not like fun. Mm. Like to me, hanging out with somebody, chatting or whatever is going to be more fun. So I'm not going to do that. Um, Like, do you think you have a limiter or do you feel that you can get straight down to, because you've had some good success training and then going out and accomplishing routes like pretty quick. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. I think the idea of it totally resonates, you know, like to when you see athletes who are abnormal in their results, Mm -hmm. they don't have normal lifestyles most of the time, you know, Mm -hmm. and like you have to decide whether or not you're willing to accept abnormality. Mm -hmm. And for some people that's fun and it doesn't feel like sacrifice, right? They just like want to do whatever it takes. And I like am probably further on one side of that spectrum than most people. But what's interesting to me is how it shifts over time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in a much different place with that right now than I was two years ago mm-hmm. where I would be, you know, there was like several summers in a row where I would wake up at four o'clock in the morning to hang board with good conditions before my work. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I would do that all summer and, and it worked. It like helped me get better at climbing. But I think something I've realized too, is that like combining some of that with more consistent, rock climbing and more consistent like playfulness and fun is maybe yielding even better results. Mm. And so Mm. I've let go of some of that a bit, but it also, I don't think I was happiest when I was Mm -hmm. doing that. There's some satisfaction in sacrificing and like really feeling like you're giving something your all. And I really feel like I connect more with that than probably most people do. But, um, you know, you're still waking up at four o'clock in the morning to go in your garage and hangboard. Like it's not as fun as going out. Why don't you think hangboarding, why do you think hangboarding in good conditions is more effective than hangboarding in bad conditions? Mm. It seems like bad conditions would be better because you have to hold on harder. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. I think for me, it was about eliminating an extra factor, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, slipping off the hangboard. Being scientific. Yeah. Being able to like reliably know what your loading should be because, you Mm -hmm. know, yeah. So taking that out of the equation as much as possible. It's, I have two thoughts with hearing you talk about this though. It's really interesting. So with the jujitsu, is it that it's so much fun that it makes it easier for you to get to that place where you're like working harder and suffering more without it feeling like that's what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, climbing training is a little bit more. Yeah. For climbing. I mean, as a kid, rock climbing, I had goals and I far exceeded the goals living in Bend and close to a climbing area. And so I think I, I just got to a point where like to reach another goal, I don't even know if I have any, like had any goals, like performance goals left. There's a couple goals that I have in rock climbing still. 
but they're not necessarily like based on what for me would be like performance rock climbing. So it just kind of became a little stationary. Hmm. Um, and to achieve the goals would be, I'm getting down into that like super small incremental growth that takes a ton of effort hmm. where jujitsu and kickboxing, uh, now it's just jujitsu, I guess is, uh, I suck so bad that like every time I think I get quite a bit better. Mm. Uh, just learn so much, like doors are opening up, whole new rooms. And so it's it's like interesting for me. It's not just hitting my head against a, a hangboard or a campus rung anymore. It's like this whole new pathway, this whole new thing, which I get gratification from because I'm improving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm just weak and need the instant gratification of hmm. like something new uh where i can't. I don't think that's a bad thing if I that's what it know. takes to <laughs> yeah. you know like well i guess the reason i say that is because i don't know because people know that i do a lot of training i get this comment all the time which is like wow you're so disciplined mm-hmm. and it's like no not really like i don't hate hangboarding you mm-hmm. know i'm not forcing myself to hangboarding i kind of like it i suspect that it's way more fun for me than 90 plus percent of people i think it's the worst right right <laughs> so like it probably doesn't make sense for you to approach your improvement at climbing the same way you know mm-hmm. like i'm doing what i actually kind of want to do it's not like forcing myself to yeah. do this thing yeah. So the other thought that I had when you're talking about the connection between greatness and, and crazy that I think is so interesting is you've climbed 514. Mm-hmm. So you climbed Badman at Smith Rock what, four years ago, something like that. <laughs> no, it was like seven or was eight it really? now. Yeah. Okay, seven, eight years yeah. ago, 2013 yeah. maybe? Yeah, somewhere in there. And um, But what's interesting is like- I had, he, a, I had a super fun, very low stress job. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. a key. That's interesting. But, you know, it, it sounds like you're not as- willing or excited to go suffer on the hangboard and train in a systematic way for climbing. But your approach to climbing Badman, at least what I observed from the outside, seemed like a very monotonous, like a lot of drudgery. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to go do that. It was a lot. You tried it for like eight months straight, you Uh know, like multiple times a week. And like, to me, that sounds more heinous than, you know, going in my garage and like watching a climbing movie while I hangboard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about yeah. that. Like, I mean, it sounds yeah. like that got you, you just spoke to, you know, exceeding the goals that you had. Mm-hmm. And I assume that's what you were talking about, you know, climbing yep. Badman and climbing most of the 513s at Smith. I remember after that whole process, it seemed like it kind of, you were glad to have done it. You were proud of the accomplishment, but maybe it burned you out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, there was a certain point in climbing at Smith where I realized accomplishing one climb gives you the tools to accomplish the next one. Hmm. Uh, perfect example is uh, oxygen. Uh, it's got crazy body tension and super tiny feet. At the point where I climbed that, they were the littlest. It's a 13B. 13B, yep. Uh, They were the littlest feet I've ever climbed on. And that transferred to a couple of the cruxes on Lucky Pigeon 13C, where Mm. you have like slightly better holds, but the feet are just crazy tiny for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a good comparison. So I got like really into that view of like, 
all right, what did I learn from this rock climb? How is it going to help me on this rock climb? And I got to apply it immediately and see the benefits of the leading up. And then I get to a problem. I think the first, like I said before, my footwork is horrible. And I, I quickly realized that for me at Smith, I mean, this isn't completely factual, but I like to say it because it's kind of funny, um, is... Every route below 13B felt like 13B before because my feet were terrible. <laughs> and 13Bs at Smith just have shitty enough feet that you have to use your arms more to get up them. <laughs> so, so I climbed 13B. I was like, oh, that's like how everything else feels. And so the first route that took me a while to get there was uh, Mamadakis. And it's like pretty fun, cool climbing the whole way. But it has like a stopper crux. That's a dynamic, like, one-hand stab. It's basically like a one-hand campus move. Your feet are on, though. And that one was the first time I really, like, translated rock climbing to training. And I would just go into the gym. I'd put my feet on two small footholds, and I'd take my right hand, and I'd go, like, one, four, or whatever the distance was. Mm. Uh, I'd just go one, up to four, back to one, up on to the four. Campus yeah, because it, yeah. it was, like, pure campus strength totally and uh oh no the route i trained for is super similar was agri monkey right next door uh -huh. getting into the pocket i just sit in my Got car it. like doing <laughs> pretending my hand was going into the pocket oh, wow. while i was driving <laughs> uh -huh. like just do this motion um but uh it's a real quick agri monkeys like kind of the 13b on that wall it's the 13 a, yeah one of the yeah. probably the funnest one at smith and then Mama Dacus is a 13C right next door. That's right. just slightly, yeah. it's like a harder version of the same climb. Branches basically. off after the first crux. Yeah. So that's where I started realizing that I had to train for stuff. And it had been like a pretty epic year of rock climbing for me with like a lot of success. Great job. Had plenty of time to go rock climbing, climbing with like Andrew and Sierra in the wee morning, like 5.30 a.m. Going out with Andy, my wife on the weekends at 5.30 a.m., it was awesome going out. It's just pigeons and hawks and peregrines and us. And it was beautiful. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it was like the whole package, you know, like rock climbing success, great friends, beautiful nature, and nobody else around. It's a, like an amazing spot. So, yeah, then I get to Badman. And I think part of me was just like, I think I could see this thing going. For a while, it was like, I can't even do most of these moves. And then you start like making all these links, just like a project, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, one day I was like, oh, I could do this thing. Hmm. And uh, that's when insanity ensued, <laughs> I guess. I, I don't remember the point exactly where that became my whole entire life. But I remember telling my boss at the time, I was like, I may show up late and it's because I'm really close to my rock line project. I know you don't understand what that is, but I need to do it. And that's the most important thing. Huh. And he was like, okay, as long <laughs> as you're here, like for service. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a long road of one hangs and um, how many more months from that point till sending? It was a lot. The way I remember it is I had gotten on it before because, you know, a few friends were trying it and I top roped it and I, you know, just spray all the beta, which is so helpful. But I never was like into it. But then finally I built up enough where I was like, well, that's the one, you know, there's a there's a handful of 514s you can choose from at Smith. 
And that's the one that I found to be the most fun. It's to me, it's the least fucked up. Um, <laughs> it's the least not fun. Yeah, it's the least not fun. Um, and I, I was having it's awesome rock climbing. Yeah, it is cool the whole way. Um, really fun moves straight to the chains. And yeah, the way I remember it is I basically gave it three goes a day, three days a week for a year. Wow. Yeah. Is that better than hangboarding and then accomplishing it in three weeks? Fuck yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because I got to see peregrines attack pigeons and I got to see otters in the river and I got to hang out and talk shit with my buddies. Cool. Um, But... uh, I don't think everyone would answer that question that way. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, that's cool. That's Um, really interesting. But yeah, when I sent it, part of me was like yay and part of me was like this is gonna be great i'm gonna go climb a bunch of other hard routes <laughs> but uh, the reality was the fact of doing three goes a day three times a week for a year my shoulders were just they were fucked uh, huh. just like impingement like crazy oh wow they could do the moves on the route but when it came to like translating it other places they didn't really want to work much oh, anymore i didn't know this and uh and I was really good. I was like, I, I am so strong. I'm going to be able to climb hard other places. And uh, the reality of it was I got really good at doing those moves. Hmm. Interesting. And so that was that was a shocker, but I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then it was a little bit of a battle to make my shoulders work and just coming back to rock climbing after like trying to heal my shoulders and taking a break. I be like, all right, I feel great. And then they hurt again. Mm. Um, then it just, I don't know. Seemed like just a, a streak of, of injuries from there. Mm. But uh, I don't know. Here I am. Here you are. in the face and choked <laughs> out on a daily basis. <laughs> you said at one point, I was asking you the other day when we were hanging out about kickboxing versus jujitsu. And you said one thing you really like about jujitsu is that you describe jujitsu as being real technique-y and that uh-huh. that translates to climbing a lot. Yeah. Um, Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. uh, I think one of the things in jujitsu that translates the most is the body tension. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. Just the core and the body tension and able to like hold a position translated to bouldering. Teaching your body to work together as one thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And just like pull, like compression. Okay. Um, That has never really been a strong point for me. Mm-hmm. I'm basically like uh put my feet on the holds you're supposed to use, square up, generate all my momentum from like my shoulders and lats and then mm-hmm. just latch the next hold kind of rock climber. Hmm. I'm not much of like a drop knee or, or stemmer or squeezer te- technique kind of person. <laughs> I'm just like a We need to combine forces. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of just like a square up and get there kind of person. Uh-huh. Um works well. Uh for me, um, that doesn't work in jujitsu. Hmm. Uh, there's no squaring up. Where I am right now in my jujitsu life, I can't use my climbing strengths. I mean, I have a certain amount of strength from rock climbing that helps for sure. And I've learned a certain amount of body awareness from having to stand on small holds and hold certain positions and like, how do I get from point A to point B? But jujitsu has trained just different muscle combinations and body positions that I didn't use from patterning rock climbs for, hmm. forever. 
So I immediately saw the benefit in that. Hmm. And I was like really, I was really excited to go to Waco Tanks after kickboxing and jujitsu for eight months because I felt stronger. I felt better put together. I felt more aware of myself Hmm. and it for sure did play out. I still suck at knee bars. I don't get them at all, (laughs) but it definitely having this other cross training sport was like pretty cool. I think I lied to myself a little bit because I was like, this is really going to help. I'm going to be able to climb like steep V10s. No problem. My core is amazing. But it it still comes down to like actually rock climbing and having good finger strength, Uh (laughs) which I didn't really have much of um, until the end of the trip. But uh, yeah, with jujitsu, it's you go to class and I'm sure every gym's different. Uh, You do the warm ups and then you spend half hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. I don't know on uh, like a certain sequence uh, to accomplish a goal, Uh, whether it's like takedowns to submission or like how to get out of somebody else being dominant. Um, It's still chaos to me, but it's not supposed to be chaos. There's like actual proven methods that work in certain situations Mm -hmm. and they're trying to teach them to you. And so being able to incorporate those patterns into my brain and my body is very much like rock climbing. Hmm. Interesting. Do you think that could inform like how you approach a bouldering session or a boulder project or something like that? Um, have you taken anything from jujitsu and integrated it back into climbing as far as, no, I think I've been climbing for so long that it was, it's, it's more of a climbing to jujitsu thing. Got it. Uh, than jujitsu to climbing. Okay. Um, I definitely incorporate some strength from jujitsu into rock climbing, Mm -hmm. but the way I approach jujitsu is because, because of rock climbing learning the techniques and breaking down sequences yeah i get the concept of of like i know there's pieces to this i know that i can't do them now or don't understand them but i know if i break it down into a certain amount of parts i'll be able to put them together eventually Mm. and so it's just like working on Oh, like this, this was the perfect example. And people are into this right now. So this is great. Uh, working on foot matches. <laughs> so like okay. on, in rock climbing, you're on two holds, one foot's on a hold, but your other foot needs to be on it. And so there's a certain like body tension and weightlessness that has to happen where you get to put your other foot on there. <laughs> and that is so ingrained to me because you're constantly doing it at Smith and the feet are so small that I was grappling with one of the coaches and he was trying to tangle up. I didn't even realize this is what he's doing, but like, you're like fairly close to the other person the whole time. So you can kind of read, you can read them. You can like read if they're relaxed or like you do something that they feel in danger or interesting or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he tried to tangle up my feet with his feet and it must've just triggered some sort of rock climbing (laughs) idea in my head. I didn't even think about it. But I like, uh, so I think he was like, probably had both of my wrists or maybe an elbow and a wrist and I was standing up and he was on his back and he tangled up my foot and I took my free foot, unweighted myself, stepped on his foot and freed my other foot and then just went back to the normal stance I was in. And his eyes got so wide 
And he's like, what did you just do? Wow. And I was like, foot match. <laughs> he's like, huh, interesting. And so we do like five or six minute rounds. And so for me, I'm always reacting to what the stimulus to me is because I don't know what I'm doing. I can't plan. It's just random coming at me. And so I try and like use the skills I have to react. But he's good enough that he knows if he does something, something else is going to happen. Hmm. And so for the next five minutes, he would like set me up to do that and then see my reaction. And every time it was the same thing, foot match. Wow. And he was like, huh, interesting. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So rock climbing helps me with that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was neat. <laughs> yeah. Having somebody who's been doing it since they were a youth and he's like, he's still a kid. He's like 23 or something. Uh-huh. Uh I don't even know if he's 23. I don't know how old he is. But he hadn't um, really seen that before. Yeah. Shout out to Batman. Um, no, I guess not. Huh. No, I think he was like, huh. Because it was like such a simple thing, you know, Guy just like, switched on just me. like, just unweight, step yeah. on their foot. Right. Get free. But Do you have any aspirations to climb 514 again? I know you're trying to bolt at one point. Uh, oh, yeah, that thing's like 519 at least. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it would be cool to climb 514 again. I don't think it's going to happen at Smith. Um, okay. I could see it happening at the new or the red or something. Is that just mostly a motivation thing? Uh, it's mostly like a body mechanics mm. impact thing. Okay. Uh, I just think it takes a lot of wear and tear to climb 514 at Smith. Mm -hmm. And the holds are bigger and uh, the rock's a little nicer. and at just the a little bit or... more gentle at the red and the new. Gotcha. Um, like that would be a situation where... I could see myself getting psyched to train for a specific route. Like okay. I've been on trans world. Trans world depravity. Yeah. I got on it by accident. Uh, <laughs> That's probably a story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I could see doing it. Like it's not, yeah. it's nothing crazy. It's I think not you, like. You've on sided some 13 A's there. Right? Uh, I've at least flashed a 13 A there. I think. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm very much like a rock climb and let it go kind of person. I can tell. I don't have a journal. I'm so different from that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's amazing. There's so many people that have crazy journals and sometimes I'm jealous. I'm like, down. oh man, that'd be so nice. And, but when it comes to brass tacks, I'm like, forget it. I'm cool. just like, psh, move on. On to the next. That's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's like endurance, some short boulder problems. It's not tweaky. And you could like. Yeah, I can see something like that happening. Climbing hard as Boulder seems a little bit more reasonable. I go to Waco Tanks a bunch. Um, do you have any goals for bouldering? I'd like to... There's a couple of V10s at Waco I'd like to do. Mm -hmm. um, those are kind of the goals. There's an 11 there I'd like to do. But uh, it's not so much... There's not like hardest rock climb goals anymore. It's more like rock climbs that I'd like to do. Mm, specific um, routes. Yeah, like... Uh, when legends die at Waco tanks is like a, it's supposed to be one of the best 13s in the world. Mm -hmm. I like to do that. Um, the hardest rock climb in 1979, the year I was born is uh grand illusion. Oh uh, yeah. 13 BC trad climb. Uh -huh. That'd be fucking rad. Set in Tahoe. I think, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think everybody should climb the hardest rock climb Kids these days are totally fucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I That's going to be a tall order for me. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, what was the hardest rock climb that you were 89? I'm not sure. I'll have to look it up. I think everybody should try. Yeah, probably at least 14 Should aspire B. to rock climb the hardest rock climb the year they were born. I like it.
or at least get on it. Yeah, you know? totally. That's a good goal for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's possible actually. Cause I think just do it was, when was necessary evil done? Do I have know? no idea. Neither do I. 1943. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think just do it was 92. Yeah. Cool. That's a great goal. I'm yeah. Look into that. Yeah. That's it's kind cool. of a fun thing. It's like, it's a little bit arbitrary, but not arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Like it's just two things that happen at the same time. Yeah. Nice. What about goals for your shut-eye ridge trip? Do you have any specific goals for that? Don't tell people about that place. No. Um, (laughs) You brought it up. (laughs) I didn't name names. (laughs) Great. Now shut-eye is going to be super crowded. I'm going next week. Uh, (laughs) This will already be done by... You'll be be back from your trip by the time this publishes. We'll be fine. Um, They'll all mob down there. God, I just want to have fun. It looks awesome. Very cool. Um, That's a great goal. Big chicken heads, runnels. I don't know. I've been... It's been two months of like wishing I was going to jujitsu class. <laughs> I, I woke up the other day. I was like, oh, I don't think I have any abs uh, anymore. I was like trying to. One of the one of the uh, things you do in kickboxing is stand in front of somebody with your hands on your head and they punch you in the stomach. What? And I got so like for me, I improved drastically. You know, to take punches. It was pretty cool. You know, like at first you're like, oh God, a little less. And by the end I was like, more, more, more. Uh, you can go harder. And uh, I like tensed up my abs the other day. I was like, oh, it's jelly. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'd like to climb some, there's some really rad looking 12 C's there. I don't know if I'm going to be able to like rock climb 12 C. Yeah. Like a new type of stone. Yeah. Um, who granite. knows? Yeah. I mean, I have five weeks to train for it but mm-hmm. are you going to <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'd like to think so <laughs> it's cool a nice, it's a nice idea <laughs> awesome yeah. uh, i'm excited to hear how your trip goes yeah it looks so fun and it's a new area and i'm excited to bring our dog there and hmm. climb with andy in a pretty wilderness setting again and just see some new stuff yeah nice uh-huh what is something that you have been especially grateful for lately? Ah, especially grateful for. My family has really come together a lot in the past two months. Hmm. Uh, my sister's been in the hospital for the entire time. Oh, wow. um, She came down with acute uh, sickness called Guillain-Barre, which is like a nervous system degeneration. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so she was pretty much no not pretty much she was fully paralyzed for like a whole month oh wow um and she's just like over the hump now starting to be able to like move her legs and arms uh talk she can talk now she hadn't been able to speak for a long long time she could like mouth words but that's it oh my gosh um so just like the family support and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. that's been great. And we had tough times when it all went down, but it's really weird because nobody can go visit. Like my Mm. parents now can go to the window outside of our hospital room and like talk through the window through a phone. Oh my gosh. Um, so that's been hard, but thankful like Mm. medicine, family, doctors, it's, it's magic. Um, is she expected to make a full recovery? Uh, yes, I think so. It's a long road for sure. Mm. And I think depending on what you would consider a full recovery, 
is she going to be able to get back to a hundred percent of what she did before? Hopefully. Um, I don't, I don't want to say no, but like, it looks like it's a long, hard road. She'll be able to be independent again. She's got two crazy wild kids. Um, so she'll probably need help with them at least for the short term. Yeah. She'll be able to get back to her daily routine Hmm. for sure. Um, yeah, that's been tough. I've been thankful for the climbing community because hmm. uh, they've kept Rhino in business. That's been great. Um, been trying to give back a lot uh, through like donations to various causes because of that. Like, oh, shit, people are treating me well. I'll, you know, try and pay for it a little hmm. bit. That's cool. Um, and it felt feels good. <laughs> Oddly enough, feels good to do good um <laughs> i don't know just like living in a small town it's not super small but hundred thousand is not big where we still have some wild lands to go play in mm. and i can pop my head over my fence and talk with my neighbor and <laughs> yeah we have not been affected in the same way as people in cities who are mm. like on legit lockdown mm-hmm. like i can go to the river and play with the dog and um yeah, it's been fun. Cool. Yeah. It's been it's been tough, but yeah. When I'm like sitting on the couch feeling bad for myself going, man, I don't get to do the things I want. I like just think of my sister. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, fuck, I'm, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about you? How about me? Yeah. What am I grateful for? Uh-huh. Yeah, like, I don't know. You've been, how long you've been living in the van? <clears throat> like, has that given you different perspective like would you rather be in the van or your or your previous living situation during this whole thing do you think it'll affect like your future of like choices you know i it has been challenging being Mm -hmm. in the van for sure i think it's challenging i think everyone's facing challenges right now overall i have been feeling incredibly fortunate Mm -hmm. i landed in a really good spot i was down in saint george when all this happened and just it made the most sense to just kind of stay there. I had a lot of BLM land open to me to go camping at. And a friend of mine had bolted some roots at a really remote cliff. So we were able to go out there and do some climbing. And I bolted my first route. And that was really fun. It's been really challenging to work, to continue Mm -hmm. doing this. It's, you know, it's a time where it's really hard to find Wi-Fi. You know, I I work so much better when I can go sit in a coffee shop and just hammer out work. And Mm. I've been like, I was poaching internet at the laundromat in St. George for two months, (laughs) you know, and it's like 90 degrees outside and I'm like trying to find shade to park in and stuff. But overall, I feel so grateful. I I really feel like I lucked out with the timing. Mm. Um, I left a job you know, and pulled money out of some investments right before things kind of nosedived. And a lot of my coworkers have been laid off and they're stuck at home in Bend, you know, like they haven't, a lot of my friends haven't been able to go climb at Smith because Smith was closed. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be down in Utah and kind of be at the right place at the right time, or at least like a decent place at the right time, you know, decent place at the wrong time. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right place, wrong time. Wrong wrong place, right time. It works. I think the, um, there's a sense of aimlessness that I think we're yeah. all facing, not being able to plan anything, not knowing where we're headed. That's been the most challenging part mm-hmm. of it for me. I keep on flashing to sci-fi 
movies where everybody goes into into stasis for four months <laughs> and they wake up when they're like almost at their destination uh-huh. and part of me is like fuck i wish i could just do that <laughs> yeah and part of me feels like i'm doing that uh-huh. but then also life is pretty good right now it's just different mm-hmm. like me and andy we we really do like to go out to eat because it's just like something about the difference between making it like i can cook fine i can make a nice dinner i can make a better dinner at i home. hope so uh, yeah <laughs> i can make a better dinner at home than what we're gonna get sorry all restaurants out there <laughs> but i can make a better dinner at home than you know what i'm gonna get out uh for the most part when i was a chef i always said when people are like i made this awesome dinner and then they're like oh sorry you could probably make it better i always said no Home cooks can always make better food. I can just do it faster. Hmm. So, uh, I don't know why I went on a tangent. But anyway, there's something about just going to a restaurant, drinking a beer, sitting across the table from somebody that you'd like, and just chit-chatting and solving the world's problems Hmm. and Googling things that you have questions about (laughs) together. Mm -hmm. Where, like, we don't really do that at home. At, hmm. For some reason at home, we'll watch Netflix and eat food. And I don't know. I don't know why it's different when we go out, hmm. but it, it's, it's nice. And then you don't have to do dishes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when it's just two people, I suck at just like cooking spaghetti. I don't suck at it, but I like, don't do it. I always do like meat, vegetable, uh, grain, Okay. It like, has to be more elaborate. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so... Yeah, there's always like way more dishes to do. Mm. It takes time, which I have plenty of right now. Uh, but man, we definitely like crave going out a little mm-hmm. bit. We went to Untap the food cart over there, mm-hmm. and um, God, it was so nice just to get food from a food cart, sit totally. down across the table, and yeah, chat. I had my first tacos and beer at Wild Ride after climbing last mm-hmm. week. Smith finally opened back up, and I couldn't believe how good that felt. Just to go get some tacos and sit and drink a beer and exactly what you're, there's like some level of intentionality that comes with that conversation when you're sitting down to share food with someone in that way. Like, Mm -hmm. God, it just felt good. It just felt nice. Yeah. And you're with, you're with one person, but then there's all these other people all around and it's. Yeah. The energy is different. Yeah. There's like energy flowing there and that sounds woo woo, but it's true. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's the whole reason restaurants work, you know, it's because they have an energy in there. Hmm. Whether it's the music playing or everybody that that's being jovial, yeah. So we miss that. Um, but other than that, like life is pretty good. Nice. We live in a nice little house, and it's been great weather. This is my favorite time of year here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything? Any new recipes that you've tried out, or anything that's been fun to make? Have you... Um, I've been, uh, you know, got on the sourdough train. But uh, my favorite thing to do has uh, been to have like a real active starter and cut up uh, champagne mangoes and then make pancakes with the starter with the mangoes inside. Oh, and that's been awesome. That sounds amazing. And I've been using a ton of rye flour. So it's like like it's a rye sourdough mango pancake. Oh, my gosh. What do you put on top? Uh, my face. <laughs> no. Uh, we'll do maple syrup, sometimes uh, cinnamon and sugar. Um, yeah. 
mostly just fork and knife. And nice. Yeah, maple syrup is really good on there. Cool. Yeah. Do you want to talk about high four? Oh, yeah, sure. Last thing before um, we wrap up here. Yeah, it's kind of a new thing. You know, we're, we're dog lovers. And um, <clears throat> so our repair cream has worked repeatedly for raw dog elbows. You know how they get those calluses on their elbow? Hmm. Um, especially with big dogs and big old dogs, they're laying down a lot. Hmm. And they get calluses on their elbow. And the repair cream, when it gets put on there, helps like soften that callus up and they start regrowing hair. Hmm. Um, so wow. I really want to get that out there and, and, you know, help some dogs heal. Mm-hmm. Um, so High Four is a new company? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, High Four is a new company for pet care. Mm-hmm. It's going to use two of the same products as Rhino. It's going to use our repair cream for that. And then our split stick for like paws and... Uh, little abrasions that your dog gets just from being crazy. Then we're, our two new products are going to be a snow release. So it'll be called snow S capital N capital O lowercase W. Okay. Um, it'll be like a spray on type deal. You spray onto their fur when you go adventure in the uh, winter wonderland mm-hmm. and it'll prevent uh, their paws and their chest and wherever they get snowballs, it'll prevent that from happening. Huh. Um, pretty confident with that thing working. Uh, tested out a little bit. Should be good. And then we're going to do an insect repellent around tick time. Mm. Uh, dogs get a ton of ticks on them and just get bugged by bugs. And so we have a recipe we're pretty confident in. It'll be all plant-based, uh, just like everything else. And should also be a spray-on applicator. And uh, we're going to try and use it on humans, too, and just see if it, <laughs> see if it, we'll probably use it on humans at the same time and before we release it, just to make sure it's, it's not, doesn't suck mm-hmm. uh, to have on you. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of exciting. And would that one potentially get added to the Rhino line as that well? That could get added to the Rhino line. Okay, sure. cool. Yeah. And I saw your logo, the High Four logo. Oh, yeah. Loved it. Yeah. And it sounds like you were already working on the website. Where are we at with the process? When can people expect that stuff? Uh, I got websites up and running. It does not have any actual... It has some Rhino products for sale on there. Okay. Um, labels are being designed and hopefully manufactured in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I just have to work kind of on the copy and the wording of everything and mm-hmm. marketing. And I might kind of make this more of a cooperative venture uh, with some other people Hmm. instead of me being the running force and idea behind it Mm -hmm. and creating all the content and all that. Kind of just want to let some other friends into it and let them run with some ideas. Hand some of that stuff off. Yeah. Yeah. And and just kind of, kind of see where it goes that way. Cool. Yeah. It's kind of, it's like, same growth concept as Rhino, but different execution concept. Okay. So, yeah. I'm Anything excited. else new for Rhino? Uh, well, Andy, my wife. I say Andy, my wife, all the time. I don't know if I should, if I need to keep reiterating that. So <laughs> I'll start over. Uh, <laughs> Andy's been badgering me. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Third time's the uh, charm. <laughs> <laughs> um, We've been discussing uh, making a hand soap um, okay. so we can complete the Climb Wash Rhino mm. line. Nice. Um, yeah, it'll be grapeseed oil based, uh, earth grown ingredients again, and uh, 
just try and cut out all the bullshit of what you find out there right now and uh, have a nice, clean, good-smelling product. Cool. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we're also... This one's been in the works for a while. I just don't know if there's really space. Get back to me on this, peoples. Um, I kind of want to make like a real intensive skin repair cream, like a step up from Rhino uh, Repair. I feel like Repair is like a skin conditioner almost, mm. where I'd like a cream that really helps just, it's like purpose built to heal fucked up skin. Okay. There's some really interesting ingredients out there that can make that happen. I just need to really crack down. And right now it's not something I'm super like confident in or really want to just put out there. I want to make sure. I'm more of a person that has to like mull something over for a really, really, really long time. Mm. And then once I like flip the switch, it's like all full steam ahead. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm in the mulling over process. Cool. Like if it keeps sticking with me and it's still on the front of my mind, I'll go for it. But if it's something that I think about and then and I do some research and then it kind of drops off it to me, it's just like, it must not be that good of an idea. Hmm. Gotcha. What about plugs? So rhinoskinsolutions.com. You've got an Instagram. Mm -hmm. What's the best way for people to reach out to yeah, you if they have, if they have questions fine. about skincare or products or anything like that? Um, a really good way is Instagram stories and tag us. Um, okay. Feel free to like put a skincare question out there on your Instagram story, tag Rhino. Uh, we'll get back to you with an answer, usually a picture or video associated with it. Nice. Um, you can email us from the website. There's just a contact link. That's fine. Yeah. If you want like an immediate or a little bit faster response, you could use the uh, chat function on the website. Um Anyway, we'll answer. We answer everything. So. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, Justin, I have loved your products since the very first iterations. And Thanks. it's been so fun to see this thing grow from your little closet it's with been duct crazy. tape and boxes to your warehouse and employees and all that sort of stuff. And um, I'm so excited to see what's next for you and for Rhino Skin Solutions. You want to know the story that made me switch to a bigger shop? Please. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> It was like Christmas time, probably holiday season, super busy, filling a ton of bottles. The like stock of bottles was in the garage and then all the like filled bottles and ready to ship were in one of the rooms of our house. Mm -hmm. And I was taking a box full of like 350 bottles from the garage to the house and uh, I hit the corner of the door and the box broke and all the bottles went everywhere. <laughs> and I was just like, God bleep and bleep bleep. And, uh, that was when I was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. So here we are. <laughs> Love it. Cool. Thanks. Thanks so much for it's your time. Fun. Really appreciate it. It's been good chatting in your home. And I hope you have a great trip. I'm excited to hear about how it goes. Yeah. Lots of pictures. Awesome. Cool. Look forward to seeing them. Thanks. All right. Take Cheers. care.